Hey guys, David and Ryan here from Bankless. We got something special for you today. This is a weekend podcast. We don't normally release it. David, what do we have planned for today? Oh, this is my favorite day when Bankless releases another podcast. We have another <laughs> podcast coming to the Bankless ecosystem. This one, a little bit different because it actually won't be hosted by me or Ryan. We are bringing in Carly Riley, who is delivering us a NFT metaverse focused podcast called Overpriced JPEGs. And this is going to be coming out on the Bankless RSS feed over the next few weekends or so, but it also has its own RSS feed that you need to subscribe to. So wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Overcast, wherever you do it, go type in Overpriced JPEGs. There's also a link in the show notes to go subscribe to that RSS feed. We'll be releasing these dual both on the Bankless feed and on Carly's own Overpriced JPEGs feed. But at some point we will stop uh, releasing them on the Bankless feed and will only be an overpriced JPEGs feed. Really excited to bring Carly on board here. Ryan, tell us a little bit about how we found Carly. Yeah, so two things I guess I want to say. You know, first, before we talk about how we found Carly is, you know, number one, I feel like the space needs this podcast, okay? Because we are moving into a world where digital objects in the metaverse is going to become increasingly important. And the mainstream still doesn't know why an NFT should cost more than your house, right? right? They're still just trying to get their mind wrapped around digital scarcity. So I think Carly's going to tap into all of that energy and figure this out for us and bring you along her journey as you've listened to David and my journey into kind of this whole crypto landscape. She's going to do that for uh, for NFTs and for JPEGs and for the metaverse and for collectibles. So that's really cool. But in terms of how we met Carly, actually, funny story, David, you met her before I did. Right. Um, but I met her earlier this year. Uh, I was invited to speak on Andrew Yang's podcast, Yang Speaks. And Carly was one of the co-hosts of Yang Speaks and talked about crypto during that episode. And I was like blown away by the questions Carly was asking me because she hadn't gone fully down the crypto rabbit hole, but she had like dabbled in it at that point in time. So like she was asking questions about Monero and like privacy coins. What did I think about wealth? Just like really informed questions. Apparently after that episode, she just took a deep dive into crypto, mm -hmm. okay? Like she got pilled. She got, she got pilled. pilled. She would look. I can't take yeah. you know full credit for this, of course, but like I think she did start listening to some Bankless episodes after that, and um, the community just sucked her in, as it has sucked all of us in. So she is fully down the crypto rabbit hole. She was formerly a financial advisor for Andrew Yang's campaign, right. like played a, a pivotal role in helping get that campaign off the ground, that grassroots movement. And now she's applying these talents and skills to crypto. She's all in crypto. It's her full-time job now. And so when we heard that there was an opportunity to work with her from a podcast perspective, like this is the type of talent I want to bet the farm on because mm -hmm. uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy her journey, the experience she has, the interviews uh, she's coming out with. But David, I left a hole for you to fill in. Yeah. When did you first meet Carly? Yeah, you hinted that Carly was the campaign finance advisor for Andrew Yang. Well, I met Carly while volunteering for the Andrew Yang campaign in Seattle. <laughs> she actually didn't remember me because like, she goes around the, the nation and meeting all the volunteers. But I remember her. And then we were talking to her on Zoom. I was like, oh, yeah, Carly, we've actually uh, met before at Gasworks Park in Seattle. So small world, but also there's a certain amount of values that crypto attracts people in towards. And we definitely see those values in Carly. And I'm really excited to see the Overpriced JPEGs podcast blossom into hopefully what becomes the best NFT metaverse podcast that is around. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So make sure you do what David said. Go subscribe to the RSS feed right now. It's a different RSS feed than the Bankless RSS feed. So you could type in Overpriced JPEGs in your podcast player or click the link 
in your show notes. This will also be published as a video on Bankless YouTube for now as well. So with that, let's get to the podcast. This is Overpriced JPEGs with Carly Riley. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Overpriced JPEGs by the Bankless Network. My name is Carly Riley, and this is the show where I interview the folks shaping the future of NFTs and the metaverse so y'all can decide for yourselves whether or not they're just overpriced JPEGs. And on this very first episode, I am interviewing Betty NFT. Betty is the co-creator and the community lead for the project Deadfellas. I really wanted to interview Betty because I think of Deadfellas as a project that has done very well. The floor price has steadily risen over the just a few months that the project has been in existence, and they have a really robust community. But I wanted to better understand and evaluate for myself whether or not I thought the team behind the project really had the capacity to make this something that could last for the long term. You'll find this is a, a continuing theme for me. What projects will really have staying power in this space? So I'll leave it to you to evaluate for yourself what you think of Betty and the team behind Dead Fellas. But I hope you get something out of it. I think if you are thinking about buying a dead fella or you're new to this space and evaluating the projects that are out there, this is a must listen. It gives you a really good sense into who Betty is and how she thinks about this space. And at the very end of the episode, she gives us some insight into what artists she likes and what NFT projects she's buying. So you might get a little alpha on the side. As always, please stay super safe in this space. Do not, do not, do not spend money you can't afford to lose. We are in the wild west. There's a lot of speculation happening and you never want to be in a position where you can't pay rent because you aped into a project that went down for whatever reason. So with that warning out of the way, thank you all so, so much for listening and enjoy this very first episode. Everyone is talking about the metaverse these days and we're all still trying to figure out what it actually is because everyone is looking for how to get exposure to it. That is why a metaverse index fund is so important because in such a young market, an index can give you broad exposure to all the various players who are building out all these digital worlds that will ultimately become the metaverse. And that's why you should check out the metaverse index from the index co-op. The metaverse index gives you simple, easy, and safe one-click exposure to the emerging open metaverse trend. The MVI index contains some of the biggest metaverse projects out there, including Axie Infinity, Decentraland, Alluvium, and more. So join thousands of holders who have already trusted nearly $50 million to the MVI index. And if you buy $500 of MVI on the Dharma app, you can receive $50 worth of ETH on the Polygon network. There's a link in the show notes for you to click so you can get started on your journey into the metaverse. Zerion is the perfect place to view the entirety of your crypto portfolio all in one spot. Not only does Zerion aggregate all the tokens across all of your wallets, but it also displays the NFTs that you've been tirelessly collecting. Zerion even reports the value of your NFTs in your overall portfolio, giving you the most comprehensive report on the entirety of your crypto portfolio. Zerion isn't just a place to get an understanding of your portfolio, but it also hooks into DeFi activities like trading, borrowing, and lending, all in one convenient place. So you don't have to memorize all the various DeFi websites to do all of your DeFi activities. To get started, go to zerion.io slash bankless and load up your wallet or wallets into the Zerion interface and supercharge your DeFi experience and enrich your NFT lifestyle. That's Z-E-R-I-O-N slash bankless. Betty NFT. That's what I'm calling you. you. <laughs> that's your Twitter handle. So that's yeah. how I know you. Yeah. <laughs> I know everyone in this space based on their Discord and or Twitter handle. It is so nice to have you on the, uh, the show. Thank you so much for making the time. I know your schedule is 
bonkers, especially this week leading up to Halloween. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's actually nice to be doing something other than um, sitting in my office doing that. I, I'm having so much fun, but I've moved my laptop to a different room for a different, <laughs> different. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> Big walk of the day mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> from the office to the living room. Love it. Love that. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Well, I, I would love to kick off with you telling a little bit about your story and how you ended up, you know, managing a I guess, multi-million dollar brand over yeah. the span of what I imagine is a few months. So why don't you you tell people a little bit about who you are and, and your pro- your story? Uh, yeah, thank you. So when you put it like that, it is, it's very crazy. Um, it's been a very wild, <laughs> very wild journey to be on. Um, but it started years and years ago. So I've always been creative. Um, my husband, Syke, who is the artist on the project and the co-founder, has also always been creative. Um, he's been a digital artist forever and I've been a creative producer forever. We um, we spend our whole lives focusing on making really cool, innovative things. Um, but up until now, that's been in a very corporate setting. So we have run um, agencies. We We recently have shifted from the agency, actually, but we've spent years making animations and infographics and video games and all kinds of things um, for the biggest brands in the world, but it's been um, basically under the radar because we, it's, you know, when, when it's for that sort of brand on that level, you can't always put it on your portfolio. You can't always mm. talk about it. Um, and it's been fun, but it hasn't offered the creative freedom that this space has and, up until now, it's been um, quite stifling. I think any creative that's in that sort of work would understand that to a point. You know, you get reined in. So, yeah. And when did you first learn about NFTs and how? Um, so, psych, we were actually in a really bad spot. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. I think that things kind of explode when you're in the worst circumstances. So, mm. we have been um, through a lot of different things. There was uh, bushfires and um, that, you know, the pandemic and, um, we had suffered financially quite, quite substantially because of all of those things. And, um, at the start of the year, uh, Syke had reconnected with his art collective that he's been in connection with for many years and working with for many, many years, depth core. I think they're like 20 years old now. And he's been Say with that name again, depth core depth like d-e-p-t-h yeah yeah it has some of the original digital artists in the space they're really um the ones that paved the way for the movement now i feel in many ways um and it's really cool because a lot of them are in nfts now and they did a drop recently and it's just it's really awesome to see that um happen but yeah um some of the depth core people reached out to psych and they were like hey you should get involved in nfts it's this really amazing thing and um psych immediately launched into it like no questions thought it was the best thing ever and explained it to me and for me it was like a door opening and like Mm. you know when (laughs) that started like like cliche moment where it's like ah you know like the solution (laughs) the sun shines (laughs) in and the skies part yeah like the solution and I was like oh my god this is it and I got so excited I grabbed him (laughs) screamed I think he was very um (laughs) taken aback like what the hell um why did it strike you so immediately like that because there's plenty of people in the world right who are who are still very skeptical of nfts 
what was it about you that, or about you know, your background or, or the way it was explained that was just an automatic click? So for me, the way I work and the way I've always worked is through a lens of wanting to innovate and wanting to build new things past what we already conceive as possible. And so for NFTs, it's a step in that direction, I feel. Um, the decentralized aspect of it is really um, attractive to me. I feel like the systems that we've got going um, up until this point are you know, only beneficial to a certain few and not conducive to a healthy future for anyone. And so for me, it was, you know, combining that, combining decentralized finance, combining blockchain and the empowerment of artists. There was all of these different aspects that just seemed to amalgamate in this mm. amazing technology that I was like, oh my God, I can, we have access to this. Like we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you immediately recognize the freedom piece, like describing how stifled you felt in agency work, for lack of a better term, or, or working for corporations, did you immediately see that this was the kind of opposite of that or had the opportunity to be the opposite of that? Yes, immediately, right away. Yeah. Because, um, so using Saiken as, as an example, like his work is um, just amazing. And he has had to create under a pseudonym forever because anyone mm. that found him in a corporate setting would be immediately confused and put off, um, you know, unable to separate that style from what we would produce in a corporate setting. So it's like you break out from that and make your own rules and there are no rules and, you know, you're only limited by your own imagination and how far you're willing to push your art and your tech, you know, the use of the tech that you um, utilize to, to bring that forward. So, for me, it was just like this opportunity where we can really run. Like I feel so free because I'm able to utilize what I'm good at on something that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, we're calling the shots and it's really awesome. Like every single meeting, I know we live together, so it's, it's weird to like say it. <laughs> yeah, if we haven't said it already, yeah. you guys are married. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're married. People are like, what? <laughs> yeah, we're married, married with three children. So yeah, it's, it's weird to pose our conversations as meetings, but we do have to kind of sometimes um, separate our conversations into meetings. Um, it's really invigorating because it's like, is this possible? We'll throw ideas around and, you know, he'll be like, I don't know, let's just try. And we, oh, I love it. we just throw ourselves into things and see if it works. And everything that we have tried so far has worked. So mm. yeah, it's just very, very amazing. And so talk me through, I want to talk about the timeline here for people and, and dig into sort of the project and what, what you guys have been doing with it. Some of the experimenting you've, you've done. Um, when, when did you launch? Uh, we launched on Friday, the 13th of August. It was a very intentional date. So, um, mm -hmm. Friday the 13th, obviously, is the spooky day. Everyone knows it as that. 13 people think is unlucky. It's actually not. 13 um, is the number of the divine feminine. It represents the amount of moon cycles in the year. And oh, wow. yeah, Friday is uh, for Freya's day. It was like a day for reverence of women. So um, I've always really liked Friday the 13th um, anyway. I have 13 tattooed on me. We got married on the 13th. And so it just That's kind very of, cool. yeah, it just fit in with the theme of what we were going for. Um, and it did really, really light a fire under everyone. Um, because it was like, we really had to get things ready for 
for Friday the 13th. And, you know, at one point the developers came back and they were like, is it okay if we push to the 14th? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> this has been set intentionally. Yeah. I'm sorry, we guys. We will not be changing anything. <laughs> the phases of the moon are 13. We have to go on the 13th. <laughs> it's the feminine energy. Yeah. Uh, the um, <laughs> Wow. So, and how much time at that point had you spent in the space? Like, what was the, what was the period of time between, okay, you've heard about this thing called an NFT we're now launching this project on August. Psych, Friday the 13th. Um, so Psych had been involved since about January and had been mm. releasing um, different things through different projects um, just as himself. So like he had done artwork for a few of the different crypto voxels exhibits. I don't know if you heard of the 4156 yep. one and they had the rare Pepe one. He did all of the branding and everything for those. And then, um, his drops with depth core and he'd some of his own stuff. So just kind of experimenting in that. And I was just lurking pretty heavily because <laughs> I was nervous mm. to engage, to be quite honest. Like I was obsessed with it and I was on the discords and I was like, you know, watching people talk and like, I was really in, obs in observation mode for quite a long time. Cause I felt the, um, the crypto bro type thing that was underlying mm. a little bit was, a bit intimidating for me. I wasn't sure how I would be received. Um, so yeah, it took me how a little while. How did you feel you were received once you you sort of found your voice and, and started speaking out? Immediately amazing. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. It's been really, I mean, I have like. So that's the lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, that is the lesson, guys. It might seem intimidating, but yeah. just go do it. It's yeah. actually an incredibly loving space as far as it's, I found. It is. It's welcoming and it's progressive. And, but again, I'm conscious of saying that as, you know, a white woman in the space mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. a white cisgendered woman, because there's a lot of people that have a different experience to me because of their mm -hmm. identities. And that's fine. Uh, for me to say that, but I can't speak for everyone, you know? I do think part of the beauty of this space is the anonymity piece though, right? Is that mm. you could engage with an avatar and a pseudonym and you, no, nobody has to know parts of your identity and you can be yourself without having to be- I think so without too. Without those features known necessarily to you know ease your way in, so to speak. Yeah, I think so too. So there was a, 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 you know, a whole kerfuffle went on a few months ago with a project that turned out to be not who they said they were. Fame Lady Squad. Is that what we're... Oh, we are we, <laughs> we dropping the bomb? We, okay. I'm saying it. I, it's not like people don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's not tiptoe around it. Um, and, Why and, we, you know, we got bored Becky now. It's, it's turned out okay. Exactly. No, it's, it's a beautiful thing how that's turned around. Um, but the, the thing that was annoying me at the time when that happened was all of these screams for um, the doxing of Project leaders and mm. I was defending the anonymity of people because it's like you know a lot of us find safety in the an anonymity um yeah there are a lot of people that might not feel safe to to be yeah. themselves in this sort of space and I think that we need to respect that so yeah, yeah. I really like it, it feels like in that case if you're putting your identity front and center as like a marketing, <laughs> a marketing ploy, right? Mm. Like there was sort of a, a real push with Fame Lady Squad of like, we're the first fully female team or, or something that felt core to the messaging. Mm. That's when I can understand being like, okay, well then, you know, maybe we have a right to to know if you're actually women, right? But, yeah. but if, it, you know, aside from that, I think teams absolutely have the right to, to their anonymity if they want it. Yeah. Circling back to that moment okay Friday the 13th in August you're launching your your project mm. 
for context for folks who maybe don't know, we should maybe say dead fellas, it, are they zombies? They're, they're like, they're a spooky sort of looking character. So it dovetails very well with Friday the 13th from the spooky thinking of it. Mm-hmm. And it, and it dovetails with Halloween, which is coming up. Um, what was the initial mint price when, uh, when you launched? It was 0.025. Um, we did that because we wanted it to be accessible Again, I'm conscious mm-hmm. of using the that word because, you know, accessibility is very different across mm-hmm. um, different people. But in, as far as NFTs go, we wanted to be a, a pretty um, easy entry point. Uh, so, yeah, 0.025. And so when I looked recently, the floor was, I think, at 0. 0.7, 0. 0.6. I know it, we're in a little bit of a bear market right now, right? Recently, it was it was as high as an ETH for the floor for for dead fellas. That's awesome, right? Like that's a huge, yeah, jump to make as a project in the the span of the the few months essentially that you've been doing this. What would you attribute that success to if you could summarize it in, you know, a couple words or sentences? Um, so I feel that personally. I don't know. I don't care about the floor and don't mm-hmm. take that the wrong way. I feel like no, no. as we move, the value of what we bring with dead fellas is inevitable and, and grows exponentially as we move forward. And so it makes complete sense that the market would move with that. Is what I hear you saying that you have a long-term orientation with this project? Yes. I feel like the space is full of this beautiful, um, meshing of different worlds so we've got the the people that are in here for the art we've got the people that are in here day trading um I can't focus on the day traders because Mm -hmm. it isn't something that is going to build the brand and build the sustainability and the longevity for us so the value for me is constantly building and constantly working and over time having that that gradual growth that you know the pump and dump thing is is not for me we haven't done any influencer marketing we haven't done any um paid advertising or anything like that up until obviously this point we've got times square that was that was paid guys (laughs) 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 but um, um, yeah it costs a lot of money but it's cool um but yeah, the, the, the whole vision for us is to build a brand that is in here forever. We, we want to be, um, you know, leaders in this innovative space and bringing new technology and new experiences and opportunities to our holders and keep exploring things um, under the brand just to see what's possible. And it's so far we're doing really amazing things and it's kind of mind blowing and doesn't feel real still. It's hard to get used to. So talk to me about some of the innovations and, and amazing things that you've done up to this point. So again, in the last like three months <laughs> we're talking about here, it moves, it's not that much time in the long term, and then it feels like so much can happen in this space in three months. So um, I, I have a list of some of the cool community initiatives and, and things that I think you've done, but would love to hear from you what stands out to you is like, that was innovative, we're so excited we did that, it worked so well, or, or didn't work, whatever. I think it goes back to the start of the project, the very start of the project. Um, we didn't focus on trying to build numbers very quickly because I knew that it was going to blow up straight away. Uh, so I was very careful because we wanted to avoid gas wars and all of that sort of thing. So we had coded games into our Discord server for our community to connect on a different level, and they formed relationships really quickly, which is it brought value to people immediately. And then we were the first ones or one of the first ones to have 
um, the pre-sale thing happen. Um, I don't know anybody that's done a pre-sale that has completely absorbed gas fees either. That's what we did. We had um, people register. So you launched, you had people who were on your pre-sale list. Yeah. So they had like a 24-hour period to mint or something without fear of gas wars and then you also said you would cover the cost of gas for them no what happened was that it was uh it was (laughs) it was a huge undertaking and honestly if we had time to create something better I think other projects have managed to build on that and make something that that works more efficiently for them but what we did was we just had a google form where people would put their wallet address and um you know their twitter handle and their their discord uh name they they could reserve up to five um and then they would just transfer the the eth without the gas or anything uh for the you know all that sort of stuff straight to us to a specific wallet and then we just went through and transferred all of the tokens directly to them we had reserved i think it was 1300 tokens um initially and yeah psych had to do do that one by one uh which took so long and it it turned into a meme (laughs) as everything does in (laughs) nfts as everything does yeah yeah yeah. and Um, now that meme is an nft and it's selling for 100 eth on yeah that was was the first thing and i think that everyone appreciated that because it was um you know we saved a lot of people a lot of money in gas and you know people that would not have survived gas wars managed to get in and get five and um it's really changed people's uh lives really at that point like you know we've had such a jump in value so yeah and let me ask you when you said you knew this would blow up you were like I you know I was just trying to do right by my community and and but you knew this would would be very successful Mm. how and why did you know that uh because it's just what I do I build brands and I build Mm. communities and we've done it professionally um you know on a global level for many years and so being able to do that with creative freedom um without time constraints and to our own um limitations I just knew it was going to work we as soon as we made the like I saw the design in my head I knew what I was going to call it um I know you know we knew the stories everything rolled so quickly when we started to talk about it we sat at the computer and um psych did some mock-ups and it only took us I think it was about two hours to get to the um the main you know what you see as a dead fella like the the main thing and Mm. I just knew I, I was like this is amazing I love this so much and I think that that is the important thing and the thing to take away is if you see something that you love and you see that there is a niche for it and no one else is doing that it's gonna work And how much was your confidence, at least that in the short term it it could succeed, which I know is not your orientation, which I love, related to also having this community of fellow NFT artists that you were plugged into? Um, That was really important and I think has been a big driver in, in what we've been doing and the value that we have is the focus on art. Sykes an artist um, and it was it was the first thing we created was the art. Like that was the first thing. And then we built everything around the art. Um, it is important to both of us. And it's something that I look for in projects. I won't buy a project unless I don't like the art. Um, we respect the, I guess the industry for what it's bringing to artists because it's changing our lives. We're artists. I want to empower other artists. Like, 
it's the whole thing. People that we respect in this space um, have really paved the way, like people like Lorona and like Mark the Habibi and those mm. people and ghosts, you know, those people have really turned the industry into what it is and so it's like a great honour for us um, to receive respect from them and to be able to work from them now. Like that's an amazing thing to me. I get a lot of questions and I'm guessing you get even more than I do about uh, artists who are saying, hey, where do I start? You know, I, I, I see the opportunity in this space, but I don't really understand how to capture it. What is your what are your what is your advice to just starting out artists who are trying to break into this space? It sounds so cliche. Um, so I apologize, but it's true. You just need to be yourself and you need to do what you mm -hmm. like, what you love, what you're good at. Um, you don't need to worry about sticking to what you think people will buy. I think that's where people fall is trying to commercialize. You're not in a commercialized space. You're not commercializing yourself. You're putting your artwork out there, um, for other people to appreciate if they appreciate it. And, you know, many people will. And I think there's another level of connection to the pieces because of the community aspect of the space. So, you know, when you're creating those friendships, engaging with people that like the same things as you, you're forming that, um, that mutual admiration. You're likely to support people that you have relationships with. They're going to support you back and things snowball from there. Um, and we're in that build space, that build mode at the moment, I think as a community in general, an NFT community in general, as that grows, I don't know what that's going to look like, but for now it's like, a little insular economy in itself, like an ecosystem. And uh, I think really just, yeah, leveraging that for not just to sell artwork, obviously, because you come away with real friendships and real connection, which is something I think people really want, especially now after, you know, the state of the world at the moment. It's just, it seems like a very hopeful thing for a lot of people. So just don't be scared and just do it. I want to talk more about the ecosystem in general and, and where you see dead fellas within that ecosystem. Cause I think there are different cohorts within NFTs and, but before I, I get there, I want to ask, you talked about kind of lurking in these discord channels <laughs> for, for months yeah. <laughs> and psych obviously, you know, doing his own form of sort of market <clears throat> research for a few months before actually launching something. Do you think that's necessary or, or, how would you value that or would you recommend that to somebody who's starting actually, out and, and wants to jump in this space? Yeah, I actually would. And um, while while I think just do things when you want to do them, just launch into them, don't be frightened. At the same time, it did really benefit me because I got to learn from the space. I don't think I would have had as deep an understanding of how things work and how to run my own project had I not had that time um, to really just sit back and listen and learn. Um, because at the end of the day, the innovative, the innovators are the people that have preceded you. Um, and while you don't need to copy off what other people are doing, cause we're not, we're doing our own thing at the same time, there's many lessons to be learned. And especially with a space that's so new, um, it is just having that, that humble attitude. Like, you know, I do have a lot to learn and there is a lot here for me to absorb. So spending time listening and learning is is always going to be beneficial I think yeah and looking at the ecosystem in general first of all 
do you pay attention at this point to other projects that are launching and, and the space sort of in the macro sense, or are you very heads down, just like I'm focused on dead fellas and building this brand and that's where your attention is? Where What's your balance on, on that, the macro and the micro? I think any creator will tell you uh, in the NFT space that as much as you're focused on your own projects, uh, I am very heavily into NFTs um, on a large scale. So I will spend time, um, regardless of how busy I am looking for new artists going through different, um, you know, those like shill threads, people might not Mm. think that they, I, I actually do go through those. Um, and I'll go through like my illustrator friends and like see who's reposting what. And, uh, I search like recently bought on OpenSea just to have a look at what's going on. I think it's very, very smart to have an understanding of the market that you're working in at all times. Um, so it would be detrimental to just completely have your head down and not, not be focused on what else is going on. Um, so I would, I want to dive in more on that and and (laughs) see if you'll give us any alpha on what you're tracking or what you like. (laughs) But before I do, I want to ask, do you have mental models in your head for like where you see dead fellas in the market or, Hey, there's PFP projects, there's art projects, there's like, do you have anything where you kind of create categories in your head for these projects or other do you see dead fellas in a cohort? I think of dead fellas and, and crypto geishas for some reason in my head. I don't know if I learned about them at a similar time, but <laughs> I, I think of them as sort of being in a cohort. Is that all me or, or do you have some sort of map in your head of where dead fellas lives and, and the market in general? Um, yeah, I think there is a spectrum of, uh, of the type of projects that exist in the space. But I think that that is limitless because, you know, everyone is self-determined in their own identity of what they're putting out. So you've got projects. I think people put too much pressure on artists to have roadmaps. You should not need a roadmap to release an NFT project if what you're doing is just art and that's all you want to do because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. There shouldn't be this expectation of anything else. For us, that is what we want to do. We do want a roadmap. We do want to um, push into different industries and um, have dead fellas in different contexts. So for us, that is a focus. Um, I see us and we're, we're obvious, we're put together in with projects such as, um, cool cats, robotos and creatures. Cool and cats, that's another one that I think of for, yeah. for you as well. Yeah. <laughs> There's, um, and it's not just the art. Cause I think the art is, uh, you know, of a similar vein, um, across all of those projects in terms of its 2d illustration. Um, but I think the vibe of the communities are very similar as well. And so it attracts similar sorts of um, consumers, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, so, yeah, there is a beautiful crossover between all of those communities and that mutual respect between them is a very nice thing too. So, yeah, it kind of feels like having houses in school, you know, when you're in different. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's an Australian thing, I think. I don't, that's not in the, in, or, okay. or Hogwarts. Or my, that's, a, that's a magical yeah, wizard thing yeah, as like far that. as I'm concerned. Yeah, but. Hogwarts. Exactly like that. <laughs> All right. Which house is Deadfellas in? In Harry Look, Potter. I'm going to say Slytherin, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's green. Yeah, I feel like not, it's kind of, not I feel even like that's just true. That. It's badass. Yeah, I don't know. 
this is this is taking a turn, but I feel that Slytherin. <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna delve into that, I feel like Slytherin uh, are not necessarily the bad guys. I feel they're the edgy cool guys, and I feel we're the edgy cool guys. So, I think it is important for anybody who might buy a dead fella's dead fella dead fella's yeah. to understand which house you think they belong in. So I, I think, I think so we've gotten too. some critical insight here. Yeah. That's your alpha there. Uh, yeah, there, there you go. On Juno is your new crypto enabled financial services company. Onjuno lets you get your direct deposit paycheck paid to you in crypto. Set up your direct deposit with Onjuno and receive part of your paycheck in your preferred crypto asset, reducing the time that you're holding on to your inflating dollars. The best thing is Onjuno sends your crypto directly to your own wallet, whether it's your ledger, your MetaMask, or however you hold your crypto. Onjuno can also be a checking account for your crypto where you manage both your cash and your crypto from one simple account. It's free and opening up an account with Onjuno comes with a metal debit card that gives you 5% cash back at select businesses, including Uber, Starbucks, Walmart, Target, and other Web2 companies. Use code BANKLESS when you create your Onjuno account and our friends at Juno will airdrop you $50 in ETH when you set up your first crypto paycheck. Sign up at onjuno.com slash crypto to get started. That's O-N-J-U-N-O dot com slash crypto. I want to give a special thanks to overpriced JPEG partner, BlockBlock. Not only because they are a sponsor of this show, but also because they are my employer. BlockBlock is an innovative blockchain lab. We work across NFTs and the metaverse. And our goal is really to push the industry forward with every new project we take on. We founded and currently run the Nebits DAO, which just partnered with Larva Labs to create more metaverse-friendly renderings of Nebits, which is awesome. We are also partnered with a Sundance award-winning filmmaker to build the first DAO that will own a feature-length documentary film. We have a ton of cool projects down the pipeline and are really looking for cool people to partner with on this. So go to blockblock.io to subscribe to our newsletter and be kept up to date about what we have going on and also to check out open roles we have available. Would love to have you apply, come work with me, coming out, blockblock.io. Um, would I be right in saying that the big picture goal for dead fellas, and you might be like, no, but is to build IP, right? And, and to build a brand that crosses fashion and, and music and, you know, film or, or, or any combination of the few or tell me if you're like, no, we're only focused on one thing. But is that sort of roughly what you would say big picture you're you're shooting for? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and not only that, we want to empower the holders to utilize their IP to explore those avenues as well. So that is going to be a focus. Um, we want you to hold dead fellas and have, uh, you know, not just the art or the community, but like experiences and opportunities. So like we've developed the first thing we did basically as soon as we sold out was buy a large plot in Decentraland, which people were like, why are you doing that? Why not Sandbox? Why not this? Why aren't you going to do that? Again, we just don't, we're not focused on what other people are doing. We do like Sandbox and we are moving into Sandbox too. Um, but the point is we want kind of to investigate different areas that make sense for us. So Decentraland is just this amazing, we've built this huge city um, just for Deadfellas holders. It's got a club. It's got, it's, it will have playable games in there. It's got, um, we'll have stores and galleries and there's an eight story mansion and just loads of cool things. The first thing we've got this weekend for Halloween in there is a token gated event, um, exhibiting all of the 
um, collaborations that we've got going across with, you know, many creators in the NFT space, well-loved ones. And uh, Did I see Steve Aoki was going to be a guest performer? <laughs> yeah, babes, he did. Steve Aoki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we made Steve Aoki um, That's amazing. into a dead fella as well, and he is going to be playing uh, exclusively for dead fellas holders and Aoki NFT holders um, from Halloween till the, I think it's the fourth, uh, just on a loop. Wow. So like those token holders can just go in there and just party. Um, so what's the pitch to Steve? Was he already a dead fellas fan or how did that come out yeah, when you're talking to these collabs? Yeah. Yeah. Their team, their team knew about us and were fans. I think it's um, everything that's happened so far comes from a, uh, I'm relentless in what I do, like, and I know I'm good at what I do. So I think that I'm able to get what I feel is the value that we bring across to people quite easily. Um, but also people that have received that value talk to each other, right? So we have, I'll be speaking to someone and then they'll, they'll be friends with someone else and then they'll be friends with someone else. And that's just how things go. It's all about networking and, and building relationships. And I will say that the relationships that I've built so far from this are extremely valuable and I hold um, very closely. I, I'm very, very grateful um, to be able to to work with people that I've admired for so long. Like we were in the Discord a few weeks ago and like Keith from Time Magazine came in onto the voice chat just to hang out. Like Keith Grossman. Yes. And Keith is an, wow. ama an amazing person and I think someone that represents that bridging of um, – you know, old industry and, and media into this beautiful, new, innovative space and pushing and leading the way for those people to, to follow. Um, Is there a, a time collaboration in the future, a la Cool Cats? Or <laughs> can you share? Is that alpha we can know? It's going to be quiet on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plead the fifth. Understood. Yeah. Understood. <laughs> understood. <laughs> when you're thinking about brand building, do you think metaverse versus physical like are you saying hey we're going to put more chips on building a brand for the metaverse or we're going to put more chips on building a brand for the physical no i see it as a, a collaboration of both a combination of both um which is why we're in new york on billboards i think that that is bringing those worlds together um and you know how you see like the poap uh treasure hunt that's going on in new york for nft nyc mm -hmm. that is a beautiful combination of those worlds because you you're all of a sudden bringing it to the real world um so yeah I see it as both I see like fashion that you can buy from a store or, or a, an online store but then you get the nft of that of that collectible item that you you can also wear in real life and also in the metaverse I think there's so many opportunities that we haven't um explored uh along those lines that it's exciting. And we're going to focus on both at the same time. And I meant to ask this earlier, what is precisely the ownership licensing agreement with Deadfellas holders? I think this is a, a broader question that every project needs to answer. What rights, if I own a, a Deadfella, what, what can I do with it? Um, anything you want, really. Anything you want. Uh, so it's more in the like cryptodes category than yes and no. I think of like a V friend. V friends <laughs> is very clearly like, hey, this is you own this NFT representation, but you can't. Yeah, you can't really do anything else with it. Yeah, I think um, 
we are in between probably VFriends and, and Cryptodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what Gremlin has done with Cryptodes is genius and absolutely groundbreaking. And uh, we very much respect Gremlin. Um, Psych is knew him before the the project, and it's like um, seeing that really run has been a really cool thing. Um, I think that for us, it's more, we own the overarching brand and the, you know, the logo and the name and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, each individual holder owns the IP to their own token to be able to utilize to like, we've had people release, um, derivatives, songs, um, what else? Their own like little NFT line of, of different variations of their fella. But I mean, the options there are also very limitless. So we have had our legal team um, draw up a guide on how people can use their IP. So that's going to be on the website. Um, I think this weekend, actually, because uh, it's that's something so yeah. by the time this airs, it'll probably be there. So yeah. if I, I could take my dead fella and put it on a T-shirt and make one hundred thousand dollars off of it. And you would say, great. Yeah. We love it, right? Yes. That like go monetize that. That's the other thing that I think you see is you can monetize up to a certain level, right? Or, you know, like as long as you're not making more than 50K or 100K. Um, but y'all are like, go, go forth and I prosper. I think that uh, really it only strengthens our brand, you know? I think the actually um, Punk 4156 and also David Horvath have really refreshing um, opinions on this. And I've listened to David and punk four, one, five, six speak on this at length, um, in the way that derivatives and other people using your IP to create things really does strengthen a brand in ways that transcend the way that things have been done typically. And it's, um, again, that old world way of thinking and doing is, is quite stifling. And I think that releasing that not, I'm not suggesting that all people do it because, you know, especially artists, you own your art. Like you don't have to give that to anyone to increase value to, to anyone else. But it's a cool thing to be able to explore and something that we're quite enjoying. And, and you definitely are a project that I think of as having a really awesome community and you empower them as you're describing. And, and I'm sure that's a piece of it. And you've also done a lot of you've put a lot of time into your community I think you mentioned like the survival games piece is if that was the game that you were you you had as part of launch and the billboard, you know, that's up in, in Times Square. And I mean, you just did an art contest that I think I saw had like nearly 800 submissions. <laughs> like you have this really engaged and active community, which is amazing. And I, and I think has obviously contributed to the success you've had so far. How do you balance and do you see it as a balance I would call it short-term community engagement activities with long-term brand building. So we treat them as two different streams um, and focus on them at the same time, but um, in separate ways. So, you know, many people will start with their roadmap. um, And it's something that I would suggest to people, if you, you know, if you're building a roadmap, don't promise the world and, you know, have these lofty ideas. Don't, especially, you know, video games and things like that. It takes so long to build something of value, but something that you can bring immediately is, is community for people. So for us, it has been important to focus on those activities because it's bring, it's brought people together and people have real relationships. So while I focus on that, we'll plan the community activities based on what we think 
will bring the most value for people socially. Um, we'll, you know, we'll have like incentives so you can win NFTs and, and those sorts of things. Um, something that we did in the survival game when we first launched was if you won twice, you had to give your NFT your second win to someone else that was trying to win. Oh, wow. So it was really, do you want to describe to folks what the survival game is? Yeah, it was just a, for, for people who don't know. It was a really basic, um, a really basic game within the discord server. Psych just coded it. It was like you put in a basic command and then you, uh, you either die a, a funny death or you survive uh, with an NFT. So the, and the deaths were like all zombie related and, and submitted by the people in the discord as well. So we had a channel where people could suggest different hilarious things and, um, we would, load them into the game and um so just I think honestly pe people just want to be heard and people just want to feel a part of something me included and so I'll, you know those sorts of activities together do bring value as as small as they are in in comparison to you know building a, a metaverse city or having Steve Aoki play for our holders or getting a billboard and putting our holders up on a billboard like those are big things but uh it, it's not day-to-day -day. so bringing that day-to-day -day value is super important I think for projects and having holders that are able to access the founders to some extent is also important like people know who I am and they know what I'm like like you know they know my sense of humor and they know different things that I do in the day and the same with psych. And it's important, I think, to have that connection because we're not a normal brand. We're an NFT brand, which is completely new and different. So leaning into doing things differently that way. So looking ahead uh, for Dead Fellas, I'm sure you have a lot of that <laughs> long-term brand building, you know, that, that work stream you're working on and, and have a, a bunch on the horizon. Anything you can share, anything coming <sighs> up that that's on the brand building side that uh, I can pull out of you? Um, well, we have the roadmap 2.0 being released on Halloween. Um, <laughs> That's exciting. It is exciting. I it's, like I like that you launched on Friday the 13th, presumably with your initial roadmap. Yeah. And then Halloween, you have your second roadmap. Yes. So we'll Just know whenever there's a next <laughs> Friday the 13th that we'll get more info. <laughs> I think it's next May, so maybe. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we basically just going to now I think what we've done is we've built our foundation and we have a very strong, solid foundation. We have a strong community and we have been able to build out our infrastructure that we need to explore. So we've got our city in Decentraland. We've got, um, you know, our 3D team turning all of our dead fellas into 3D avatars, like completely rigged. Mm -hmm. And we have all of these things. So into the next year. Uh, we're just going to be focused on exploring those, empowering our holders even more, pushing into different um, industries as well. You know, everything you can think of in terms of media, so music, gaming, um, TV, everything, fashion, like we, we, we're extending into all of them in aligned ways. Do you... How big is your team right now? Oh, <laughs> I couldn't say, honestly. It's gone... It's grown incredibly so obviously it was just me and psych at first we got a couple of mods um that we trusted very very much and have known since the time we've been in the space i think that is obviously very imperative as we know from recent events you need mods you can trust um and we've expanded as we've needed to so we've got 
lots of developers now on the Decentraland. We've got our um, core developer team, so Kingmaker um, and Nine, who were both at part of our launch and very integral to how smooth the launch was. Um, very grateful to have those. We've got Dan Petty joined us as our um, web design lead, and um, that's also been fantastic. He's worked at the same level as us and is a, an absolute legend in his own right. So we've managed to grab people like that and pull them into the team, uh, copywriters and project managers and social media managers. And you need, you really do need to delegate, otherwise you'll go insane. Yeah, and as it is, with even with all that, I get the sense you're not sleeping much. So No, we're not <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> no, Halloween is, uh, yeah, a big time. <laughs> yeah, we're basically working 24 hours at the moment. I will say that people often will... Um, assume that once a launch is finished, that the hard work is over. It is not. The hard work really... The hard work has started. <laughs> the hard work starts at launch. Like, however yeah. much work you think you've done prior to launch, times it by like 100. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, a, that's another good piece of advice for artists who want to launch. It's like, please buckle up and know what you're getting into because I, I, I've, I've seen that happen. I, I know that. Yeah, totally. Teams we're like, all right, we got it to launch. And then it's like, now is when all the expectations from the community begin. Yeah. And <laughs> now you have 4,000 people yelling at you on the server. It's just where you've got to be careful as well. Because if you make yeah. all of these promises to people prior to launch, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh my God, I've got to deliver. You know, don't make those promises. Just build quietly. And uh, I think under promise and over deliver is a a solid way to, to be a good mantra. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know how busy you are, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to wrap with some of, uh, your, some of the projects you are watching outside of dead fellas. <laughs> what, what do you look for when you're scrolling through those shill feeds on Twitter? What yeah. are you looking for? What catches your eye? It's if you always, can name drop um, any projects you like, would love to hear it. But yeah, it's always whatever you're comfortable with. It's always art first, so I'll always look for art um, first. Anything that catches my eye, um, I'm actually I'll go two ways. So the first the first thing that I'll do is um, my friends. So you know, like Mark Habibi has just released um, his generated Habibis, and I'm a huge fan of them. Not just because I'm friends with Mark, but because I I just love them. Um, and we'll link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very beautiful. I'm just going to my wallet and seeing what I've bought recently. I bought ethereals recently because Ooh, um, I like that project too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something that I had noticed immediately. And then Bobby hundreds got me on the, um, on this Twitter spaces with their team and they are amazing, an amazing team. And that is something that's an example of when you know the team and you're looking, you're researching the founders and you understand, um, you know, what the whys and where's of the project, often then you'll see the value. Not that I didn't see the value before. I just wasn't aware because I, you know, I hadn't seen it yet. But um, I think I saw Ethereal's dipped recently. I mean, a lot of these projects are. So that's been on my like watch list of like, oh, I want to go in and buy. But then gas has been so high. I've been like, well, it's been offsetting the, <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> the dips thing, I wanted to buy. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's the market on on as a whole has dipped, but then the, the gas has been an absolute nightmare, isn't it? Um, ghosts. I love ghosts. I love toy faces. These are not um, generated projects, but, um, you know, I love them. Um, what else? Obviously I love cool cats, but that's not very accessible for 
um, people just joining the space at the moment. I, I buy a lot of one of ones. I really enjoy uh, one of one art. So I'll, I'll often buy one of ones. My favorite artist at the moment is Nook. He's been my favorite artist for a long time. He's in depth call with Psych. Yeah. Do you ever have like, do you ever, do you have any of the frames where you like physically hang them in your house at this point or is it, it's stayed in, it's in the digital world? So we've been renting for so long and we're not allowed to hang artwork up, but I've had physical, (laughs) yeah, it's a nightmare. Uh, We'll hopefully get out of that situation um, next year. But um, I've had lots of uh, physical art sent to me through buying NFTs. So um, Flower Blocks um, is a really beautiful project and um, he has sent me um, physicals, uh, UU, Cyber UU, beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. artwork, sent me um, physical pieces. Amy Woodward is an incredible photographer and uh, she's sent me physical pieces as well. Um, I love Lorona's Boys. I don't know. There's loads. There's loads of different things come up. That's Recent- awesome. Well, we'll, we'll link to all, all the projects you mentioned so that folks can go explore and check it out. I think, yeah. for, especially for people who are just starting to get into the space, it's really helpful to hear from folks like what they're tracking, and then you can go follow those artists on Twitter. Like that's how you start to get kind of ingratiated in this world and and start to follow what's going on. I think following well, what artists okay. are doing is definitely a, a very smart move. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Last question. Yes. Mindy Kaling, I saw she she tweeted about NFTs. I saw you responded. <laughs> Have you talked to Mindy Kaling yet? Do you know what? You would know if I had talked to Mindy Kaling because I would be like three octaves. Everyone would know. <laughs> yeah, the world would know. I would have tweeted about it in the most... You don't even... Right, so here's the thing. I didn't realize what a fangirl I was about people until now because when people are interacting with what I've created or interacting with me directly. And there are people that I have been obsessed with for years. I'm like freaking out, like speaking to yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Like I spoke to Elle Woods on Twitter spaces. It's insane. Absolutely. Yeah, that craziness. was on the Adam Bomb Squad. Yes. Uh, and like Pussy Riot, yes. like I engage with Pussy Riot, like the Pussy Riot. <laughs> that is crazy to me. So being able to um, interact with heroes is very cool part of this whole thing and yeah mindy if you're listening let's be friends yeah <laughs> coming out with us we're really fun we talk about nfts all the time uh i've now asserted myself into this friendship you're establishing betty with mindy um yeah yeah no i uh, i get it well awesome well I, I can't wait for the day that you do get to talk to mindy and then we'll hear all about it on twitter and uh and it, this was so fun. I, I so appreciate you taking the time out during this especially busy week for you all. I hope folks really learn something about Dead Fellas. I, I, I think you're amazing, and I will go double down on my my Dead Fellas conviction. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, I hope you have a, a great rest of your week. We'll be watching what happens on Halloween, though Thank this you. will probably air after that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, it's been nice chatting. Love.